0: Welcome to GLF Live, a podcast from the Global Landscapes Forum. This year, sustainable finance stands at the crossroads. After years of rapid growth that saw sustainable and ethical investing break into the mainstream, regulators are starting to crack down on greenwashing and developing frameworks to help figure out whether our investments are really making a difference to the planet. Last month, we looked to the new standard that aims to measure how these investments are benefiting rural women in the global south, and in this episode, We're joined by two women using finance to transform lives on opposite sides of the globe, one in Pakistan and the other in Brazil. Here are their stories. So welcome to
1: the Global Landscapes Forum GLF Live online chat on this special day, International Women's Day, where we're celebrating women across the globe, half of humanity's population and the nurturers of Mother Earth. My name is Natasha Elkington, and I'm Zooming in from Nairobi, Kenya, and I'll be your host and moderator for today's session, where we'll be talking about how women are shaping the future of sustainable finance. This is also in line with GLF's Luxembourg uh, Conference, Finance for Nature, which just ended yesterday, and also celebrating GLF's 2023 edition of the 16 Women Who are Restoring the Earth. And um, it's an honor and a privilege that today I'll be speaking to two of those women, um, uh, Maria Amalia Souza from Brazil and Dr. Aisha Khan in Pakistan, uh, who's not named as the investor for this edition, and Amalia is named as the philanthropist. So, congratulations, ladies. Really, um, it's an honor to have you both here on this panel. And I look forward to how our session will unfold. I guess we'll start with you, Aisha, to give us a, a small summary of um, what you do and the work that you're involved in for our audience. And then we'll hand it over to Amalia.
2: Thank you so much, Natasha. And happy Women's Day, everyone. There's such an air of celebration about this moment right now. And it's so exciting to be here in this conversation with you and everyone else who's listening. As you mentioned, I'm joining from Pakistan, a country that I guess some of you may have heard of in the context of the floods we had last year. So really very much in the center of confronting the worst of climate catastrophe as it comes. In fact, the floods of 2022 were one of the most expensive natural disasters ever known. And this is for a country that's struggling in so many ways, on the economic front as well, without the fiscal space to solve for it. So when you think of it, it couldn't be clearer that as a world, we need to create more solutions. We need to find ways in which finance can flow where it's most needed. And I think a way to do it, you know, given that it hasn't happened, I assume that we really need to try a different way of doing this and that means we need to think really hard about diversity of decision making who is shaping these flows of capital why have they not so far reached where they're most needed how are we even defining success so All of these are questions that I think the world is thinking about far more seriously than I have ever perhaps experienced in my lifetime, and that makes me optimistic. And I truly, truly hope that we're coming towards a space in which we can agree on what it means, what does success mean, and how do we make investment decisions, not just keeping in mind profitability and short-term returns, but really keeping our people and our planet at the center of it. So that's where I'm starting off. And again, I am based in Pakistan, a country that doesn't rank very high on gender indices, unfortunately. It has some of the most amazing women and men and people in this world. But it is often at the bottom or next to the bottom in terms of gender equity, particularly in spaces. You know, Women aren't present in the workspace to begin with and where they are present, the agriculture sector is an example, they're mostly doing the labor and they're not really responsible for making any of the decisions around how those workplaces are structured, what actually comes out of them. So again, there's there's a space in which things need to shift. And so the work that I'm doing with Acumen is a step in that direction. It's a step in saying, let's think of capital as a means, not an end. Let's start investing in businesses that are not just there to make a profit. It's important to be sustainable. But at its core, we need to be solving for these really challenging problems confronting humanity, and in this case, in Pakistan as well. So we're setting up Pakistan's first climate fund. It is an equity fund. It follows a blended finance structure, which is really relevant for risky markets and able to to allow them to attract commercial capital. And uh, needless to say, there's a strong gender focus across the fund as well. mean, agriculture is a sector where two out of three women who are in the labor force in Pakistan, there aren't many, I wish there were more, but two out of three women are in the agriculture sector. And this is not very different from many other developing countries as well, where you see much of agri-labor force be female. But again, unfortunately, none of the decision-making power, none of the ability to capture the capital or gains from those uh, labor uh, hours that they put in. So the fund is going to focus on making these investments. It will be the first of its kind in Pakistan. It likely is one of the first few adaptation-focused funds in a country globally, and we hope it creates a blueprint for other countries that are also confronting this massive climate catastrophe and are struggling uh, with traditional agri-sectors, sectors sectors that are leaving so many people out and are just absolutely unable to adapt to how the world is changing on the climate front. So that's what
3: I do and we'll talk more about it. I'll pass it on to Maria. Well, um, my name is Maria Malio Souza and I'm founder of so Casa Social Environmental Fund uh, and the proposal of this fund is is in a way is a similar idea with a different history and background. So we the founders were all active active members of the environmental uh, work in South America, and for decades we were watching resources. Supposed to be protecting big the, our big biomes, you know like the Amazon, like the wetlands and the savannah and the chaco and all, all of this very rich biodiversity rich places uh going to very large large organizations that do good work, but that's that we never thought was enough to to change the scenario because we have known and seen and now even science has proved uh, that the people protecting these places are the people who have lived there for hundreds, thousands of years. You know, if you look at the the data now, eighty percent of the forest standing on this planet are indigenous land. So, what more do we need to convince ourselves that there there wasn't a lot to do? But incredibly enough, they don't get any money, any any investment to be able to you no know, to first of all to protect their lives and their livelihoods and their territories they're in constant violation and all the time and of course they have been trying to protect that with their lives and we know that because we get the news you no know, and and we see the the numbers and this is so so, amazing, so what we decided to do was we were going to invent something different, something that actually could meet them where they are, uh, and of course, many of them had no opportunity before to, to manage resources, so they lack some of the skills, know, how do you set up an association, how, what legislation rules that, what do I have to comply, so things that are simple to learn. It's nothing complicated, but if you fail, then you become non-compliant. So we meet them where they are with the tools and with the resources and say, you you can do it yourself. You don't need somebody else to come and do it for you, which of course they've been told over and over and over again, you know, always somebody is there to do it for them, but they they never get the skills. and And so we decided to do it differently. We've been doing this for eighteen years. We've funded more than three thousand projects in uh, nine countries in South America so far. We are now at the level of maybe around five hundred grants a year, which is not enough. The demand's much bigger, but and and but we have had to break a lot of a lot of um, misunderstandings. For example, you see. Uh, you have to start where they are. That means an amount of resources that they can handle, usually not so big, so that they can learn the skills and then the event, and then they can grow to understand and then to relate to others, other other investors including. You know, many of them want to d- develop businesses and they have been in a way, but they have been making almost nothing because there's always somebody there to take the bulk of, of the result of their work. But if they learn how to manage, then they can they can do it themselves. So then there's place for investment with returns, as long as we understand that in a very rich biodiversity, you cannot just say, I'm gonna buy this thing from you, because you have to buy a little bit of this, a little that, a little that from everybody. That's how you maintain the richness and biodiversity and the, 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 the life of that system intact. So I think the traps and the dangers of, you know, the whole concept of bioeconomy is, that I, is when you actually make it, try to shape it to what capitalism has all, always been. It's exploit one thing at the detriment of others. And when people are in need, they're going to go plant just that one tree and that collapses the system for them, the system of the, that forest. So there's a lot of these uh these dynamics at play in places like this so what we do is begin with the tools and the resources and then they understand and then of course we have to do the other part which is what we're doing here (laughs) and what i've been doing for for the last few years is trying to make funders investors understand this and and then understand also that small amounts to begin with doesn't mean that 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 the that the funding that we do is isolated and that makes no difference. In the whole, it's the opposite. We understand the macro challenges, the solutions that are being played in the large scale, and then we fit the resources. It's like acupuncture in the body. You know know exactly where to to leverage resources, that the whole process, it becomes an exponential uh, level of results because they come together it's a multifaceted kind of approach to funding but that together produce the results of protecting those places that we want so mostly that's the philosophy and the values that we've been working with and um, that finally you know and we can now show numbers <laughs> because people want numbers right we, exactly. we have numbers in terms of how many, fun, we have a lot of publications in our publications uh, area of our website that actually show show the impact. You can actually see that we're not just, it's not empty words, that we act, it actually produces the results that we're looking for. So now we just need to, you know, to have other, have people understand it and move with this. So, so the last thing I want to say is because CASA was a, a South American fund, and we realized the closer you are to the public, to the groups that you need to fund, the, the more engaged, the more culturally involved you are, the better your grant making is. So instead of us continue as a South American fund, we, we invited our partners in the other countries to create their own fund with the models and the systems that we had developed and tested over time. And four countries said yes, they created their funds. They are already operating in South America, one in Mozambique <laughs> and, and together with the larger, the older funds like Casa that we kind of knew from Southeast Asia, from Mexico, Central America, we together and nine funds founded the Alianza socio Fondos del Sur. So it's the socio-environ- socio-environmental funds of the Global South. And the Global South here has a very strong message. Like Aisha said, we know what we're doing. We are close. we care about the results. So we nobody better than us to actually lead the process of conservation, restoration of this planet. All right. Well, thank you. Exactly. (laughs) But I I think that.
1: in a way, having both of you here, we sort of found a solution because I think the problem is like with investors. I think well, there's a few. Well, there's many. We have a lot of problems, but we want to talk about solutions because we have short time, so we want to make our um, conversation meaningful. But I think what we discovered is like in in Aisha's world, in the investment world, it's it's a boys' club, which needs to change. So in terms of women's roles there, the, we need to, that needs to change. And then in terms of where you're working, is the protectors of uh, the land are mostly women, whose resources are not reaching them. So there's these gaps, but in a way, you're able to maybe you find maybe solutions to fill them because you've proved that you can do it this way. And you've broken the boys' club scenario where we have to change, I guess, the ethos of profits before people. And that's what's got us here today. So I don't know, Aisha, like maybe what you, if you want to just jump in in terms of, you know, maybe sharing the investment world, like how do we shake it up there and get more women involved um, and making decisions where we can, you know. <laughs> take resources and fund projects like this on the ground, which are making actual and real change. Oh my gosh,
2: that is so absolutely right. And this is, I mean, it's, it's more than a boys club. I think it's a space, it has become to its detriment, a little bit of an echo chamber. And what you've started hearing, even in the space of, this is the space I sit in, this is the impact investment universe, where in theory you're supposed to focus on impact and have double, maybe triple, maybe quadruple bottom lines. But at the end of the day, when you have a bunch of investors, and unfortunately it's usually men, who are sitting and saying, well, you absolutely don't need to sacrifice any returns for all of this This impact will show you the impact. You will also get 25% dollar returns on it. Now, as someone who has done the work, and and by the way, ask anyone who has done the work in difficult emerging frontier markets, that's just a lie. I mean, if, if that's what you're selling, that is not true. And for far too long, we have actually allowed these to percolate in the space that it's become the norm. When you actually go and talk about, well, this is what it means. Doing this work is hard. It's not a single linear model. It takes longer than we think a traditional fund would take. It requires more. It's not just a targeted intervention in one company, but it's actually building out an ecosystem. And all of these pieces take a while. And yes, if you are going to also optimize on making sure that you are being mindful of the planet, you're actually doing things that are not harming, you're actually pulling up the most vulnerable. You are going to do things in a way that is not going to just be reflected in the profit numbers. So I think there's overall a need for all of us to get honest about it no matter what the you know and we all face these pressures I mean, I face it sometimes I'm being told just amplify this and amplify that but you know I think we need to be honest about what it means and what is the role of finance and I think also just start talking about the successes a little bit more I was told, uh, someone told me about, you know, there was a project I was working on and they were like, well, you're being such a girl about this. You've like worked on this for months and months and months, much longer than anyone else would have. You're still waiting for it to be perfect. You're not talking about it. You're not actually actively reaching out to others to promote you or push you. If I, this is one of my friends from business school who said, look, if I I would have done this and pushed it out months ago, and, and like, why are you still waiting on it? So there's a little bit of us getting a little more fearless, a little more bold, a little more settled into the truth of what we're doing and have the confidence of saying, you know what, this is how I'm going to do it. And the world Absolutely needs that. I mean, yesterday when we were talking about diversity and decision-making, gender is one vivid part of it, but we need so much more diversity of decision-making. We need to hear the voices that are not heard because even from the commercial side of things, where I said you cannot make viable decisions without really listening to people and stakeholders and not just the stakeholders that conventionally come up, but really think through your stakeholders. If you're an agri-business, you've got to start with the farmers. You have to think about all the various components of the supply chain that you're addressing. Think of all the other stakeholders and think of what it is that you're actually doing and connecting to. So I think the complexity of the work um, needs to be honestly confronted. And I think Us as women, I keep going back to the, it's time for us to just take our place and say, this is who we are, just sit down and say, okay, this is how we're not going to play that game because, my God, everyone has seen that game hasn't resulted in anything spectacular, at least since my undergrad days, I've been hearing, you know, my first job I had, the only thing important is shareholder value maximization. That's it, that's it. That's the only thing you care about. And if you care about the planet and then look at you with like, oh, you really care about the planet. Okay. Well, once you make all the money, you can use some of it to set up a foundation somewhere and then just do that, but don't like your shareholders should. And we saw what that meant. We have seen where it has led the world, how it has left millions of people out. And so um, again, I think this is the time we're ready and I look forward. And with that, you know, here's, A commitment from my side and i I, i'm pulling all the 16 women and so many more i think for all of us also to be there to mentor support share our experiences with the honesty of this is where this is what it took this is what was hard this is what really made me energized this is what broke me these are the horrible conversations these are the great ones this is how i opened up a pathway this is how i was blocked and i moved around it because sometimes you can't break you know you have to move around it so um so i think there's also a role for all of us who have been given these platforms and spaces and we're so grateful to glf for also just you know giving us that honor and that space to then put that forward and connect and share and lift up the whole ecosystem in doing so. I think, as I said to you yesterday, I'm very optimistic about where we are right now and what lies ahead. And really just looking forward to what the next couple of decades will bring. Amazing women, more diversity, better decision making um the world not fraying in the ways we're seeing it right now it seemed like a you know all our conversations are about conflict and profit and inflation but there's so much more that we need to be working towards um, Looking great. So I was going to
1: like, so do you think? I don't know. Maybe Amalia can answer that. Um, do you think men are ready? Like, we, I am mean, it's not blaming the other part of the population, but they've done things a certain way, and it's like we said, an all boys club. Can we, do you think the system can change, or do we have to create a new system? Like, how how do you see this unfolding? Um, yeah. I don't know. Because I know like Amal, you've made a lot of strides in the work that you've done on the ground and you've you know broken the system and created new systems, which I think would be great to replicate um globally, because you've done it. Um yeah, yeah, but what's your take on it in terms of
3: well <laughs> it resonates so much what I what Aisha said because it's it's true. It, you know, we're breaking ground, breaking ground, but there, it seems like once once you've done it long enough. And suddenly, I mean, it was a, a big shift. I I felt for so long that I was talking uh, to empty, you know, empty places. Nobody was listening. They didn't want to listen. Because also philanthropy is a very settled, you know, field uh, uh, in and of itself in the north, mostly. And it's long and it's sitting there, you know, just like this used to be, you know, the same models and structures, and it's very vertical, right? It's like this board makes all these decisions, even if they want to take their resources elsewhere beyond the North, which luckily no many do want. Still, it seems like the, the decisions of priorities. So um, what I'm saying is philanthropy is such a settled field. And when, once, when we came in as funds new funds new models new ways of doing things from the global south we were kind of stuck in a in one of the two categories that that at least in the us it's, it's a specific name they call private foundations the big big ones that have a lot of money and then you call they call the public foundations those who fundraise to for their causes right to to donate for for causes around the world and those have been in truth you know for many many years the only funders that social, the that social justice movements had in the, the global south but in the last 20 years many of us set up our own funds for different purposes women women were the leaders actually women's funds began way before anybody else setting up local funds they are very organized in in their Prospera network. So they they've, you know, done a lot of work to put women's causes within the, the global philanthropy agenda. And that's really amazing. And it's kind of where we're following them, we're modeling. And that's one of the reasons we decided we need a network to tell, you know, like an alliance, to put to put together a face that people could see. Social environmental funds are, are funds that fund everybody, right? We fund women. Black youth, Indigenous, uh, riverine, mountain people, you know, uh, artisanal fishing and rivers and oceans. But so it's it, it's way more complex to to explain, and so that was really hard for a very long time Like, you make sense. We do everything, <laughs> but it's not everything loose. I heard I heard a, a phrase the other day in Egypt, actually, somebody saying confetti effect. Oh, small grants, right? Ah, they're just you just throw them out there. And it's like, no, it's exactly the opposite. You know, it's when you understand where you're acting and then you know where the leverage points are to push to push a system forward. So we are also struggling for a long time. And of course, I think I'm turning 60 this year in a month. <laughs> and, and somehow that kind of gave me the freedom to just speak my mind recently. It's like, you know, I used to be more, subtle, more okay, you know? And I, I can't do that anymore. And I guess that's one of the things we talked about yesterday. We just had to get the megaphone. We just have to speak our minds right now. We have no more time. This planet has no time if we don't act right now. So, and if it takes, it's gonna take women because somehow we work way, you know, although we're very smart, uh, uh, don't underestimate that, but we, we, we place our decisions so much in the heart realm, right? We care about this. We care and we learn and we become specialists and like all of these women and so many more, you know, we become specialists. We know what we're doing and we have to work harder than anybody else to be heard. And so it's only together that we can do this. So yes, no, I think we have to create new systems, and we are creating new systems because those old ones, they're failing us. And, you know, I, I remember uh, Greta screaming in the faces of these devil business people, we're not going to forgive you. You know, they don't hear. Did they hear anything she said? And most of them were men over there. So we we here, right? And we have to do something different. And we just have to break these systems and these paradigms. Be, and we have no more time. So now we just have to put out the word. We have to break, break, break the silos also, right? And then and, and just move our our aims and our new structures toward a better future. Just to finish, there is a, something I learned from a. A wonderful master, Joanna Macy. She she has been teaching systems thinking dynamics and and how to actually apply that in our lives. And she uses a model that, to me, works for me works so wonderfully that we are living at a time of the great turn mm-hmm. from the industrial growth society to a life sustaining society, and to do that. We need holding actions. We need to, you know, hold on and, and slow down the destruction. We need to build what she calls Gaia infrastructure. <laughs> so it's not alternative. It's the things that need to work, new structures like, like finance, like, uh, like ways of occupying large, you know large systems, producing food. It's all it's new and old because it's how it used to be when it was sustainable we just broke all of those sustainable ways and so we have to rebuild those and in the third level is of course awareness raising and and that's what we're doing <laughs> all the time I guess when we have these places and these platforms and and that have been you know so widened by being part of this amazing group you know so Glf, really helps us to take our causes way beyond the, you know, the borders that we we were able to do alone. So that's, thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you. Dr. Aisha. do you want to jump in and add to um, anything that Amalia has just um, spoken about?
2: Yeah, I think what she's saying is so important. This idea of creating new systems of uh, power of action. I keep coming back to that because I think we just need to start. We don't have the luxury of being able to spend a lot of time reflecting or wait for others to do it. I think in everyone is this ability to affect change and move towards what we know is a better world for all of us, right? We're just getting into a space where if we don't do that, I think It'll be unsustainable. The planet will be unsustainable for all of us. And so I just, again, the power of action, just start wherever you are, whatever it is that you're doing, have faith in the strength of your ideas as you're moving towards what you think your north is, I think with Maria, with myself, with so many of these amazing women and men and people out there who are actually pushing for social change. What differentiates the ones from those who you know? I was smiling when I heard Maria say it's been 18 years, I've been I never realized it. But it's because she's driven by action. And you gotta be you one foot in front of the other, you keep moving, you keep moving, you keep moving. And before you know it, people, things, entities, organizations are moving with you, and you've actually affected change. So, if I could leave just one thought, it would just be this um, to start, move, do. The world needs it.
1: No, that's, that's great advice. I guess um, towards the end of our conversation, I was going to ask you for your advice and wisdom, and I guess we've already um, shared that, uh, you know, with our audience. Um, and I guess for me, more so, also, when we talk uh, when we talk about women and the global south and indigenous people and local communities, I think we all kind of fit in the same. We're all in the sort of the global south bucket. Even like you know, um, women of color in North America. I think we mentioned yesterday. You know, it's all everyone who's Sort of like the underdog, you know, fighting for the cause of the earth that's been sort of marginalized and sidelined, you know, up until now. And in a way, women, like you said, do have to stand up and make noise because it's our turn now um, to ch- change the way the world is going. Because if we don't really, we there's no other choice. So I think I hope, you know, from this conversation too, for the male population, I guess we need them to join to join this cause and to help us change how we how we do things. Because it cannot only be, you know, kind of women only quote, fighting for. You know, the changes that we need. Yes, absolutely. So I, I guess my question would be like, how do we do that? And I think, I guess if we were talking about, you know, how do we, like, where is the investor and the philanthropist, where, did the, where do you intersect? How do you come together and actually make these things happen? Because you found the solutions. And like you said, the solutions are there for the people who've been living on these lands for, you know, millennia, um, know them. But it, we you have like break brokers who are in between or you know, governments where you know money comes and it just disappears to where it's not supposed to go, but we need it to land where it should. So I don't know if you have any solutions or anything to add to to that.
3: Let me aspect. just say, one, yeah, one thing that comes to mind in this path, and I, I bet everybody else who's doing something different had to go through this. You you, you know you you have a vision. And, and you know, <laughs> you know, it could work, you know, you could get there, but almost nobody else can see that except you. So I bet there's a lot of people out there. No, not just women, but wondering, and then you begin and then people say, "No, nah, that's not going to work. No, you don't. No, it's just another one of those things, right? That don't, we hear this all the time. And, and the thing is, don't give up if you see a new way you're breaking ground and you just have to believe and if people can't even close people to you you know they if they don't see that it's okay they can come along if they trust you and then eventually it will open up like it happened to me so many times even in my team and i say Wow, you know, I couldn't see it then, but I see exactly what you mean now. And I think this this spreading, you know, multiplying the model that we created across the globe was one of those things. That like one day I said, okay, we can't be doing this alone. So we need more people like us doing things. Let's teach them. So we began, It's like, okay, we can do, it. hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do this? And suddenly... And then we launched something. It's a new idea. It's this alliance of Global South Funds. And we had no money, of course. We had nothing. We don't even have a process because we just had a, oh, this is important. We're just gonna put our faces out there. And suddenly a big new funder that wasn't even in the play field said, we're gonna give you $8 million to start your alliance. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there is somebody, then people are hearing, they are, Seeking, even the funders now, as we and and the new resources that are coming up, they're looking for new ways. I I bet they're seeing that whatever old ways aren't really working. No matter how beautiful the materials are that they produce, you no know, selling you an idea it doesn't work. It doesn't work, or it works partially. No, I'm not just going to throw everything out, but it doesn't work. You know, to to the end of what it needs to happen in this planet. So that's, I think, for me, the big thing. Just believe, you know, sometimes you're going to adopt yourself, just keep going, because you're going to break ground. And that's what we need right now. (laughs) And And I'll I'll add one thing. I think there's You know, the more
2: I look at systems, the more I'm struck by how deeply interconnected everything is. So the space occupied by philanthropic capital connects to impact capital, connects to commercial capital, connects to public sector capital. The companies connect, individuals connect. And, you know, talking of what's old and what's new, uh, there's this um, word uh, from... I think it's an African philosophy of Ubuntu. You know, I am because we are. And it's, uh, you know, it's not a new concept. It's been around forever. Getting back to that, really realizing how interconnected the world is because of climate change, we're seeing it in ways that are so vivid that even if you wanted to believe in borders and genders and all of these things being rigid categories that have specific roles and contexts, we're seeing how that's just not true. So we are connected. And I think as we think through building these solutions, bringing out those connections, bringing out those ways in which we each affect each other, wherever we end up being, I think that does lead to more partnerships, more people coming on board, and we can't do this i mean this is all about partnerships it's uh, when we think of imagining the world as it can be it's never a small group of people or the women or you know this one or that one it's all of us coming together and that collective consciousness of what is it that we need to be aspiring to while keeping in mind that we really are deeply connected uh in so many ways that we aren't seen as vividly as we could be. So, um, so that's my hope. And that's what I'm actually seeing as well. If you're stubborn enough, and, you know, ignore all the people telling you, you can't do this, what are you talking about? Why would you do this? Ignore all of that, just keep going. You'll find the allies and the partners. And um, I've seen it happen, Maria, I'm sure you have too, Natasha, I'm sure you have as well. All the while recognizing that i can speak for myself i you know i may not represent the average pakistani women the rights and opportunities that i was able to get were absolutely not available to millions and millions of other women in pakistan who have capabilities and who have the ability to contribute but they just don't have the opportunity the context that they're in the social economic structures that they're trapped in so Keeping in mind, how do we unlock that human potential in all of us? Women happen to be, in my part of the world, particularly disadvantaged, but there are so many who are disadvantaged in addition to women, minorities, so many others. How do we unlock that human potential? How do we work together towards moving again to a world that's more like where it should be versus where it is?
1: uh, Exactly. Start.
2: Yes. So um, I think,
1: I mean, we've had such a great conversation and, you know, even I think found solutions to like you know issues that we're facing and i think it's like maybe it's like the tip of an iceberg because it's a conversation that needs to continue and um it needs to be involved more people like you said like even you know if anyone's interested in the audience for finding out more about what everyone does it's on the glf landscape uh, website and then um on, on the landscape news where you can find out about how amazing you know the work that all these 16 women and more are doing so i think you know from our chat what i've taken what I take from it is that we need to grow our networks, I think, um, to be bigger. We need to get more diversity, as you said, as in the decision-making panels. We need to get more women there. Um, I think we need to connect more, have more conversations, and as you said, you know, break systems or change them. Um, if we're going to have hope for, for a future. And I guess to end what would be lovely, maybe to speak to young women out there who are, you know, who are now the generation who are born into this world that we've Created and not very proud of at the moment. I mean, like, what advice would you give to young women out there um, who are, you know, who really do care and are passionate, or even just young people in general? Because, we, as we said, we need men and women to be involved in how we're going to, you know, navigate to this crisis. Yes, please. Like, what advice would you have for the young, the youth out there in terms of how we're going to, you know,
2: in finance? Maria, we... you want to take this first, and then I'll
3: jump in. Well, I was thinking that they have so much more to teach us. There we're seeing now how bright, you know, when they are engaged, they really are. And they're inventing their own systems and they're going out, you know, look at these movements that we just, you know, the restoring, the, the, you know, the Greta and all the others who are just moving the world towards a cause, towards having a future, right? So... It's hard. I, I think that they have a lot more to teach us, and we have to teach them. But definitely, uh, I think believing in the, in the new systems. I think we're stuck some somewhere in a paradigm of you know of uh, of work that you know from our generation, or mine at least, not yours. <laughs> that you know, although it's innovative, I think they they are so much more. What I when I was just hearing you know about the the the, the people in in places of disadvantage or disenfranchised, but in our experience, with with actually resourcing exactly them, we have seen such an incredible level of passion and innovation. When you have nothing is when you're most innovative. You have to come together. So community, you know, community as opposed to, I think there's, I keep saying that there's this, Hero syndrome in in the north that somehow tries to push themselves into our collective structures of living and and you know you can't do this we it is about collective we're gonna do it together or we're not and and we need to break the, these these ways of that we see the world so so yes for we, for you do it together <laughs> do it together <laughs> be able to do that together. You know, in in groups, and I I I see that that's what they're doing anyway. So, I that's my thing. Just just do do it your way because uh, you're gonna invent something new for us that we haven't seen yet, and that we and we hope to back you up. <laughs> really, that's that's what we're here to do. Thank
2: you. Yeah, I I echo much of the same. I mean, I was just thinking I have a nine-year-old daughter and. I'm blessed to have some amazing young people on my team and I see them. And as Maria is saying, I learn from them every day. If if there's one a few things I could say, I think it would be I would, one, I'm blown away by the opportunities available and the space and the context and the way the world is. I mean, wow. If I could be 20 again, I'd be just amazed. I love being where I am, but I think just the opportunities, the space, the AI and everything else that's available. The world is transforming at ways and at speeds that have not been seen before. So there's so many ways in which uh, you can make a difference. I think my only nudge would be, you know, don't don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Sometimes I notice that there's this uh, expectation of things being a certain way and uh, only when conditions are perfect, we can get in. Just get in. It's it's always going to be imperfect. You are bringing something so amazing, the energy and the the power of youth, um, the great potential of opening things up. You will change it just by being there. I think Maria, you've mentioned Greta, that there are many other young people who are throwing things open. And uh, we need more of that. So be bold, jump in. Don't worry about what doesn't exist. You have the power to create it. And uh, we're really just watching you and cheering you on, and there to support you as as we can.
1: That's beautiful, really. Um, thank you. I I think it also, like you're saying, just to add to that, even these conversations that we're having today with youth and in terms of gender um, identity, you know, like there, there's a lot of you know conformities or um that we've built over the years that are being broken down right now, which are we re- helping rethink uh, and retell the narrative, which is, I guess, you know, exciting. And I think we have to be on that vibration. Um, if we're going to change things rather than staying in the problems and, you know, continuing in there. Um, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation. I really, I thank both of you for all your insight and your wisdom. And, you know, I hope that our audience goes to, you know, check out our, you know, 16 women who have been honoured um this year in 2023 to learn more about what you do, how they can get more involved. But I think, you know, like what I've also taken this uh, from this conversation is about the feminine principle. I think that's lacked, you know, for many years, and we need to just kind of bring that back and bring in more balance into finance because I think that's what's there's no feminine principle, like you said, it's ego, fear-based. Where we need to move into a compassionate phase and working together. It has to change. Um, so, thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to have this moment with you. Um, I hope we, we can carry on the conversation somehow um, after this, um, and wish you an international happy International Women's Day.
0: Next up on the GLF Live podcast, join us in two weeks' time on the 2nd of May to find out how Africa can solve one of its trickiest development dilemmas. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and countless other podcast platforms, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.